The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii, Apostolic Faith Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour a blessing. Good morning, everyone. I'm Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr. and I would like to thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV, Channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSE, Channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV, Channel 8, and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV, Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME, Channel 20 in Los Angeles and San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV, Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Central California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. From 11 to 12 midnight on station KGBY-TV Channel 20 in Grand Junction, Colorado, as well as from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church located at 1043 Middle Street is the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world, with the sign of the roof of the temple, Jesus coming soon. A landmark in Kali for over 95 years. And our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lockbaum on August the 4th, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hansen, in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is, those of you in the hospitals and convalescent homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. We open the musical portion of our program with a heart-rendering song of promise, when Jesus, our Lord and Savior, will return for his own with a mighty shout from the clouds, Come up hither, come up hither, come up hither. The dead in Christ will rise up first to call his call, reunite with the souls, followed by those who are still alive, 
who will be changed in the twinkling of an eye, meeting him in clouds of glory and soar toward heaven. Our church choir, under the direction of Emilia Hahn, sings us this miraculous moment of rapture when we shall be changed. Edith Matsuki accompanies them on the piano and yours truly on the organ. Sing along with us and feel the soar of victory following the words on your television screen. We shall be changed, be changed in the moment. We shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Thank you, choir, for that stirring selection. Coming up next will be the church band under my direction to play that inspiring and moving rendition of To Cross a River.
Well done, Ben. We now call upon our soloist for today, Christy Hahn, being accompanied by Associate Pastor Marvin Abing on the bass, Iris Locke on the drums, myself on the piano, and Chelsea Associate Pastor Evan Spoke Senior on the guitar. This song is a very heartwarming rendition, expressing one's soulful gratitude of having our Lord's presence in our daily life, teaching us patience, caring, growing, delivering us through our daily tests and trials, and learning His ways away from the wrong. Thank you, Lord, for the victory that growing brings. Thank you, Lord, for the trials that come my way. In that way, I can grow each day as I let you lead. And thank you, Lord, for the patience those trials bring in that process of growing. I can learn to care, but it goes against the way I am. 
Thank you, Christy. We now call upon our church choir to sing their final number, He Made a Way, featuring Seneca Rose Hahn on the bassoon. This uplifting and joyful number contains the message of hope for Lord Jesus Christ as we put our faith and trust in Him when hard times fall upon us. Asking God and trusting in Him, He will make a way of victory. Sing it, little baby, little baby, for me. 
was a wonderful choir and now we call upon our instrumentalist Punahele Kapuni to play on her auto harp that ever popular and moving number Amazing Grace. Yes, many can attest through moments of deliverances through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Whether it be spiritual, physical or emotional, we knew that through His amazing graces, He granted the victory.
Thank you, Punahele. Coming up next will be the vocal group, the BA Degrees, under the leadership of Rose Bahaku Carter, to sing that beautiful song, Highway to Heaven, featuring a solo by Lemomi Grimes. Tiare Summers will accompany them on the piano. Yes, viewer, it's a highway that leads to heaven as you take on the name of Jesus in baptism by immersion and receive the Holy Spirit that will help you reach the gates of heaven. The choice is yours. Come and be saved. It gives me great pleasure indeed to dedicate this beautiful number to Mr. and Mrs. Robert and Martha Angies. We pray the Lord will continue to bless and strengthen you as you stand firm and faithful unto our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you, brother and sister Angies. Have a very blessed Sunday. Hi, and praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and I would like to repeat our television time, stations, and locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California, that these telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV Channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC Channel 13 in Palm Springs, 
from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV channel 8 and Comcast channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBME channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY channel 9 in El Centro, California and Yuma, Arizona. And from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. From 11 to 12 midnight on station KGBY-TV channel 20 in Grand Junction, Colorado. And from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work, and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning the schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. At our Kamiki Branch Church, located at 1361 Palolo Avenue, gospel services are held Sundays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches as services are also conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakakai, Molokai, by Pastor Kenneth M. L. Verio in Lahaina, Maui, by Pastor Walter I. Tinloy in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K. Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Cannibal Espera in Bologo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espera in President Rojas, Cotobato, Mindanao, Philippines. You are welcome to attend these services, regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections. However, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now I'd like to return our program back to Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., who will bring forth his spirit-directed and spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin. My sermon entitled, Faults and Shortcomings, was prepared especially for you in hopes that it will motivate you to become partakers in Christ Jesus. The Lord's path is always a straight and narrow, and for many, it can appear to be a difficult and constant uphill climb. But take it on good authority that the easy downhill path will lead you directly into condemnation. It certainly would be an irreversible and distressful fate for anyone to hear the Lord say at judgment, I know you not. Don't enter into my rest. Therefore, may today's sermon encourage you to take matters into your own hands if you haven't already done so and work on your salvation immediately. I have always maintained that attitudes are more important than actions. The spirit of a person is more important than anything else he does daily. In fact, if a man or woman has the right spirit, he or she will not have to worry about one's actions, as his actions will be of the right substance. You may ask, how is the proper spirit developed? The answer is only through a close fellowship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus speaks of our attitudes toward others in Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that he be not judged. In other words, do not condemn. 
If you point your finger at someone else, always remember your thumb is pointing right back at you. The easiest thing in the world is to see faults or shortcomings in others. But the hardest thing in the world is to see one's own faults. Some people are quick to find faults in others, to judge and criticize them. Paul tells us in Galatians, the sixth chapter, verses one and two, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bury one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Verse two speaks of the burdens which can be shared, such as sorrow, misfortune, and so forth. Verse five speaks of burdens which cannot be taken on by anyone else, a painful duty. For every man shall bury his own burden. Therefore, we should cast our burdens upon Jesus. He cares for us. He is our greatest burden bearer. If we were as quick to pick up our, our own faults as we are those of others, and if we tried sincerely to correct those faults, we would be a thousand times better born-again Christians than we are now. Doves and canaries do not live on polluted food. Only vultures and crows seek out the garbage of the land. And only the vultures of human life live upon the garbage of others. If we look for the bad things, we will usually find them. While we were visiting London once, our tour guide told us how a famous cat went to London. Do you remember her report? The cat was asked, where had she been? She replied, to look at the queen. And what did you see there? She answered, I saw a little mouse under her chair. Didn't you see the London Tower, Buckingham Palace, the House of Parliament, or Westminster Abbey? Didn't you stop at shop at Harrods? And what about the queen? Was she gracious and beautiful? No, all the pussycat saw was a mouse because that was all she was looking for. And many other people never see wonderful things in others just because they are looking only for the bad things. You attend a church and everything is beautiful. The fellowship is divine. And the word of God is just what you needed. In fact, the preacher's sermon is awesome and it thrills your soul. But when he says something that you don't like, what do you do? You forget all the good things you've heard and go out to criticize and complain about the sermon to your friends. In other words, you major on fault finding. Listen to Matthew 7, 2, in which Jesus pronounces a law which the believer cannot escape. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Jesus is simply telling us that we are going to reap what we sow. We read in Galatians 6, 7 through 8, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Thus, many people will learn through bitter experience 
and heartache that if they are too critical of others, it won't be long before they are targets of criticism which will cause them nothing but sorrow. One day, our son came into the house and said, Mother, I was out in the yard and called out Aloha. And someone said, Aloha. I said, who are you? I said, what is your name? And he said the same thing. I looked everywhere for him and couldn't find him. So I said, if you don't come out, I will beat you up. And he said, I will beat you up. Then the mother said, Mark, that was your echo. If he said, I love you, it would have said, I love you. If he had said, your voice is sweet, he would have said, your voice is sweet. And when you grow up, just remember that what you say and do to others will come back to haunt you. Read Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. The critical fault-finding Christian kills his own usefulness. We don't help other people by sharp and unbrotherly criticism. I never knew a critical Christian who was a blessing to anyone else. Jesus looked for the good in people. The people of Shekhar looked upon a certain woman as sinful. She had been married five times, and now she was living with a man who was not her husband. As you read in John, the fourth chapter, 16 to 19, Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. The woman said unto her, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Jesus knew all this, but he also saw the deep longing in her heart to be a better woman. And before he finished with her, she became a witness for the Lord as she went back to the city and testified to the people and brought them to Jesus. You see, Jesus was offering the living waters to the woman, but he wants her to repent and forsake her lifestyle in order to receive that water, springing up into everlasting life. Thus we read in Matthew 70, 35, 5, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the being that is in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Oh, let me pull out the mote out of thine eyes, and behold, a being is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eyes, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Therefore, before anyone talks about a little splinter in his brother's eye, he had better remove that large piece of lumber from his eye. In other words, how can we afford to criticize others and point out their faults when we are so full of faults of ourselves. Therefore, let us be gracious, understanding, and full of love, remembering how far, how far short we fall of the glory of God. Jesus tells us in the sixth verse, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again. And rend you. The people in ancient times classed certain men as dogs. A dog was a person of odious character and violent temper. The term swine meant those of moral filth. There are many today who are absolutely incapable of receiving and appreciating the spiritual things of God. However, we must still witness unto them 
and leave them in the hands of the Lord. We read in 1 Corinthians 2, 13 to 14, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The doctrines of faith should be studied by comparing one part of scriptures with another. They never contradict each other, but lead one to full understanding by the Spirit. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for there are foolishness unto him. Neither can they know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Thus we are not to associate with them, nor waste our talents on them, but we are to go elsewhere, imparting holy things to those who will receive them. Jesus instructs us to develop the right spirit, to be kind, tenderhearted, understanding, and sympathetic towards others. Reading John, the 14th chapter, and the 6th verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now Nicodemus, a Pharisee and a secret believer in the Lord, came to Jesus by night, hoping to learn about the way. The Pharisees were the foremost criticizers of the Lord and Jesus. It was not so with Nicodemus. He was a man of prominence, of power, and of great wealth. But Nicodemus was not content with what he possessed. There was a hunger in his heart. The things of the world did not satisfy him. He was always reaching out for something that would bring him happiness. But joy, happiness, and peace seemed always to elude him. Then he heard about Jesus and the wonderful work the Lord was doing, healing all manner of sickness and disease. So under the cover of darkness, Nicodemus slipped out to see and speak with Jesus. His comment to the Lord was, No man can do these miracles except God be with him. Yes, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Nicodemus poured out his heart to Jesus, and Jesus looked into the soul of this hungry-hearted Pharisee and imparted, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You have many things the world can give you, but you'll never, never, never find peace and joy until you have been born again. The world is full of men who are trying to find happiness in this world. They go everywhere and do everything to find some zest in life, but their search is in vain. To them, Jesus would say, you're seeking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. Come unto me and be born again, and all the joys of earth and heaven will be yours. Read in John 3, 3, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, you may see many wonderful things in this world. You may see the Grand Canyon, but you will never see the tree of life in heaven unless you have been born again. You may see the great cities of the world, but you will never see the holy city of the New Jerusalem 
unless you have been born again. You may see the great countries of the world in all their splendor, but you'll never see the land that is fairer than day unless you may have been born again. You may live in the finest mansions that money can buy, but you'll never see the Father's house of many mansions unless you have been born again. Jesus said you must be born again. He emphasized the must. This was one of his divine imperatives. We read in John 3, 5. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. To be born of water is to be baptized by immersion and in the name of Jesus Christ, according to Acts 2, 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. To be born of the Spirit is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking in an unknown tongue or language. According to the Bible, this is the only evidence which can be used to verify and confirm that one has received the Holy Ghost. Reading Acts 2, 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Thus we see that it is the Spirit which give utterance, not man. Remember, we left Mary, the mother of Jesus, praying with the 120 in the upper room. Thus on the day of Pentecost, Mary too received the gift of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Consequently, if Mary needed the Holy Ghost, how much more then do we need the Holy Spirit to withstand the endless waves of Satan's fiery darts? Peter informs us in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Yes, God had exalted Jesus and gave him a name which is was and is above every other name. Jesus spoke about prayer. He knew how important prayer was. Reading Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and he shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Does he mean that we will become wealthy overnight and be able to buy the best there is in the world? No, he doesn't mean this. Many of you can say, I knocked on God's door until my knuckles were bruised. But he didn't open the door. One woman said, I prayed all night for my sick child to live, and he died. I will never pray again as long as I live. Sometimes we pray and receive not because we ask amiss and get nothing because we pray with the wrong motive. God answers every true prayer. He does this in one of three ways. The first is, yes, I'm giving you what you requested. Or second, he may say, wait. It's not time yet for that request to be answered. Or third, he may say no. Thus, he answers every prayer you put before him. Read in 1 John 5, 14 to 15, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Jesus gave us two illustrations to show how a good father always does what is best for his children. We read in Luke 11, 11, If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? 
Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And those who heard Jesus shook their heads and said, certainly not. In verse 13, he continued, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? If your son asked for a bottle of whiskey and you handed it to him to drink, you would have granted his request. But because of your knowledge and wisdom, you will not give him the whiskey. We read in Habakkuk 2.15, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that putteth thy bottle to him, and maketh him drunken also, that thou mayest look on there nakedness. If your child asked for poison and you gave it to him and he died, you could say, I gave him what he asked for. But you would have been foolish to have done that. Then why in the world do many people say that the Lord is not good when he says no to us? Really? We ought to thank God that he doesn't answer all of our prayers. Sometimes we don't really know what is best for us. And if we received all that we asked for, our lives could very well be ruined. God is a wise God. He knows what to do. He knows when to say yes, no, or wait. Always accept his answer as correct and thank him for the victory. Now Jesus speaks of our actions toward others. We read in Matthew 7, 12, Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. He didn't say that we are to treat others in the same manner that they treat us, but as we would like to have them treat us. Indeed, it is our utmost desire to have everyone treat us well. We want them to be pleasant to us. We want them to speak positively of us. We want them to do gratifying deeds for us. However, whether they do these things or not, we are the children of God, and we must conduct ourselves civilly regardless of their treatment of us. We read in Matthew 5, 43 and 44, Ye have heard that it had been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully uses you and persecute you. In other words, should someone criticize, lie, or does all he can do to hurt us, as true born-again Christians, our reaction towards such an individual should be as Jesus taught us, to love him, to pray for him, and treat him like a brother. Now, all these things Jesus has asked us to do in such a situation is extremely difficult. We're only human, and we love ourselves. We become angry when we feel we are being mistreated. And it takes a lot of grace, love, prayer, and a Christ-like spirit to say, I must love everyone and treat them in a Christian fashion.
Regardless, we read in Matthew, the 25th chapter, and the 45th verse, Inasmuch as he did it not to one of these least of these, he did it not to me. And listen to the reward that Jesus promises you. We read in Matthew, the 5th chapter, 11 to the 12th verse, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. There are many who say, oh, I live by the golden rule. When you speak to them of salvation, they base their salvation on a false assumption. No man ever keeps his rule perfectly in the first place. Remember, we are not saved by our good works. We are saved by God's grace. Reading Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Yes, grace is the kindness and love that God our Savior has for man. Many today say that God's way to heaven is too narrow. Yet they accept the narrow ways of the world. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7, 13 to 14, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. A young man desires to be a doctor and conveys this to his counselor. His counselor concurs and commends him for it. But the counselor warns, you will have to give up many worldly pleasures, expend much time, and devote years of study to become a doctor. It's a narrow road. The young man replied, but it will be worthwhile. So I will take the narrow road. Then there is a young man who wants to enter the kingdom of God. All right, says the pastor. It means you have to repent of your sins and be born again of water and of the spirit. If he is wise, the young man will say, all right, it will be worth it. And if you would like to know more about God's word, the church, and review these telecast presentations in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Billy Hahn, Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of his hands. Bringing our program to its conclusion will be our church band 
to play for you an old-time favorite filled with hope and joy as we wait, looking for that blessed hope.
preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.